Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Should Governor Herbert's veto of House Bill 76 be overridden? That's one of the questions we'll be asking today. House Bill 76 would loosen restrictions on the use of concealed weapons. Another question, should background checks be expanded? There appears to be a compromise between Senators Manchin and Toomey on the national scale, which would expand background checks to those purchasing guns at gun shows and online. And uh, a very important question on which there is disagreement, but uh, a lot of sincere inquiry. How do we reduce gun violence? This, of course, in response to the many shooting incidents, including most recently uh, Sandy Hook Elementary. We'll look for your response to these questions on the program today. And in the second half of the program, we'll be talking with Marianne Martindale, Executive Director of Alliance for Better Utah, and Clark Opposian, Chairman of Utah Shooting Sports Council. Right now, we bring in Senator Alan Christensen, Republican from North Ogden, and Senate sponsor of House Bill 76. Senator Christensen, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Happy appreciate to be here. appreciate you uh, coming on the program, and we have with us as well uh, Representative Brian King, Democrat from Salt Lake City. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We already have a uh, caller on the line. We'll ask that caller to be patient as we establish the topic here. Let me start with uh, Senator Christensen. Here's my understanding of House Bill 76. You can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Currently, Utah law allows open carry of firearms without a permit if the gun is unloaded. House Bill 76 would allow someone who is carrying an unloaded gun to conceal it. Is, is, is that it in a nutshell? That is correct, as long as you understand the definition of unloaded. And so tell me the definition of unloaded. Well, it's a little bit uh, misleading because it doesn't mean you cannot have bullets in the gun. It means they cannot have one in the firing position. Uh, and technically it says more than one single mechanical action is necessary in order to fire the gun. So you can have ten bullets in a gun. You just have to have more than one action in order to, to fire the the weapon. So under House Bill 76, uh, if it's unloaded under the definition you just gave me, uh-huh. uh, you can you could now, if it were to go forward, um, carry a, a uh, unloaded gun and have it concealed without a permit. That is correct. Okay. Uh, so Governor Herbert, uh, he vetoed the bill, and one of his reasons, he said that the this uh, current law uh, before House Bill 76 has worked well, and uh, he... Uh, cited the, the permitting process. The permitting process allows you to learn about concealed weapon um, rules, and, and he said that that's uh, how we should proceed. Uh, I assume that you you believe that this should be overridden. I do believe so, yes. And why? Uh, we have the right currently to open carry. This new bill changes nothing at all except the fact that you can do it a little more discreetly. <laughs> if you are currently forbidden to carry and to open carry, which is uh, if you have a felony record or you have a restraining order or something else, then uh, the same things would apply. But people get a bit cons- disconcerted when they see someone walking around with a gun on their hip. Uh, they don't know if it's loaded or what the intent is. This it would simply let that same person who is doing something legally be a little more discreet and simply cover it up. But covering that same gun up right now is against the law, and I think that takes a constitutional right away from you. Let me turn to Representative King. Um, I, I believe that you opposed uh, House Bill 76 and were pleased that the governor vetoed it? That's correct. And uh, why the opposite? Why your opposition to House Bill 76? Well, one of the things that we've got here in Utah is a concealed uh, carry permitting process that is really one of the more uh, accessible, you could say, in the country. People from all over the country uh, apply for a concealed uh, weapon permit in Utah because it's relatively easy to obtain. There's no need to demonstrate any uh, training or hands-on experience with a gun before getting one. Uh, Most of our concealed weapon permits are actually sold to out-of-state folks, which indicates to me that we've already got in Utah plenty of access to to guns. And my concern about this particular bill is simply that I I think that it allows for relatively easy circumvention of uh, going through the process that's currently in place to get a concealed weapon permit. One of the things that we have in Utah is if you want to apply for a permit and get it, you do have to go through these background checks of 
checking to see if you're a convicted felon or if there's some other reason to think that maybe you're not the best person to have a concealed weapon permit, such as a, a domestic violence issue in your past. With this bill, what we'll see, I think, is um, greater ability for individuals to just simply say, I, I would go through the concealed weapon permit, but I don't need to now under this bill because I can just carry openly, and I don't have to go through the process of applying for and getting a concealed weapon permit. So why not just take a gun that's available either because it's in my family or because I buy it at a gun show or whatever, and then carry it openly? And, and that's the concern in my mind is that we're just making guns more prevalent and more accessible. We're talking guns on Access Utah today. Specifically, uh, in the first part of this program, we're going to focus in on House Bill 76, which would loosen restrictions on the use of concealed weapons that uh, passed, I think, by fairly healthy margins uh, in the legislature, and it was vetoed by Governor Herbert. The question on the table, should that veto be overridden? Uh, Also, how do we reduce gun violence, and should background checks be expanded? There appears to be a compromise between Republicans and Democrats in the Senate, anyway, on the national level for expanding background checks to uh, purchases of guns at uh, gun shows and online. We'll ask that question of you as well. Right now, we're talking with Senator Alan Christensen, Republican from North North Ogden, and uh, Representative Brian King, a Democrat from uh, Salt Lake City. Later in the program, we'll bring in uh, Marianne uh, Martindale, Executive Director of Alliance for Better Utah, and Clark Aposhian, Chairman of the Utah Shooting Sports Council. Uh, the phone lines are open at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or you can reach us on our email address at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. And uh, our legislators, uh, gentlemen, I have uh, written down a couple of things to uh, to uh, continue this debate, but I want to bring in our caller, Ammon, in Logan. Ammon, welcome to the program. Glad you called. Hey, thanks, Tom. Uh, go ahead with your question or comment. Oh, well, you know, Tom, one of the things that really catches me about this debate is, you know, where our focus is. Um, it seems like, you know, we're, we're trying to relegate gun control to, you know, or some folks are trying to relegate gun control to the government. And I think one of the things that we're seeing is that the, the debate is really about, you know, culture change rather than just policy change. You know, do we have a culture that allows us to be responsible with with carrying firearms you know i I might be mistaken you know some of the figures that i've looked at in trying to research the gun debate is you know especially with with uh handguns two-thirds of violent crime involving handguns are are actually suicides um and and for me you know i work as a therapist that's a, a pretty tragic number um and i and i wonder okay you know we're focusing on bringing this into what you know a state debate or a national debate and is that going to be effective uh, i really feel like we're missing the point which is you know rather than putting the onus on government bodies to to take charge and and take control of this you know let's let's have the right to do what's right and let's create uh, a culture of responsibility and and a culture of <clears throat> you know safety that's based on the individual, you know, let's, I think it's going to be, I think we'll find over time and looking back, it's going to be more of a, a ground up movement rather than a, a top down kind of, a, you know, legislative decision. Let me, before I let you go, Evan, how would you characterize the culture then in Utah? You know, generally I would feel like, you know, we, we do have a, uh, a culture of responsibility. You know, I think if we were to take the total number of handgun crime in Utah and break it down, you know, let's look at the percentage of that that's committed by people with concealed carry. And and I've got to believe that that's going to be ridiculously small. You know, I, I think if we put the focus on doing something responsibly, those are not going to be the individuals that are that are perpetrating crime. Um you know, I and and again, with culture, we see vast divisions. You know, there's there's definitely middle class culture, poverty culture, um, you know, wealth culture here in Utah, and uh, it, it's you know it, it's where is the onus of responsibility. So I think it depends on on where you're at, 
what the culture kind of dictates. There are cultures that believe that the onus of responsibility is not with the individual. Um, and, and it's hard to, to kind of come in from a, the bottom up and change that. But I think we can do it if we're responsible community members. Thank you, Ammon. Appreciate the, the comments. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Uh, Ammon called 1-800-826-1495. You can as well. We're talking about uh, guns, what should be done to uh, uh, control or reduce gun violence. Should House Bill 76 be overridden? What about uh, background checks? There's some movement, uh, parent movement on the national level on background checks. And we're talking this part of the program with uh, Senator Alan Christensen and Representative Brian King. Let me start with uh, Representative King. Uh, get a response to Ammon's comments. Uh, he, he says uh, the locus of our debate should perhaps not be on what government should do, but on changing uh, culture. And he says we need a culture of responsibility. What, what are your thoughts? You know, I actually think those are good points. I think that they're... Um are there are some ways in which I think we need to um, face up to the idea that a lot of deaths take place because of failure on the part of gun owners to act reasonably and responsibly in securing their weapon. You know, he said one thing that is striking, and that is, and it's true, most deaths from guns are caused by suicide. You think about that for a minute, and it's pretty remarkable and pretty uh, troubling. What that suggests to me is that there are a lot of unsecured guns out there that are available to individuals who, in a moment of despondency, um, act to tragically end their own life. I think that it'd be interesting to know how many of those suicides are carried out by the individual who owns the gun. Um, I think what you'd find a lot of times is that what what happens is a gun owner, whether it's a, a parent or another adult in a family, has an unsecured gun in their home, and a 16 or 17 or 18-year-old kid has an adverse occurrence. Maybe their boyfriend or girlfriend dumps them. Maybe they uh, have some other bad event happen in their life, and in a moment of impulse, they take that gun and end their life. So I think there's a lot to be said for the idea that we as individuals have to take action to secure our weapons, and that um, that's a cultural thing to some extent. So uh, I think that's important. But one of the other things that I think is also critical and important is that we do have to take reasonable action from a governmental perspective to put in place reasonable uh, measures that will keep the hand, keep guns out of the hands of individuals that shouldn't have them. Right now we've got concealed uh, weapon permitting processes in Utah that carry out those background checks. Um, one of the things that I'm encouraged to see happening back in Washington is a good debate about whether to make those background checks a little more comprehensive, remove some of the loopholes so that we have greater assurance that individuals who shouldn't have guns aren't, aren't able to just go out to a gun show or some other uh, way to purchase their guns without having background checks done. Senator Christensen, I, I'm sure you perhaps want to rebut a couple of points made by Representative King. But first of all, I, I want your response to Ammon's comments, this uh, idea that uh, we should promote a culture of responsibility. I think that is an excellent point, and we should do that. But one of the underlying problems we have here is we keep talking about gun violence. Take gun out of that and let's say, okay, let's stop violence. And everybody smirks at that comment. Well, we're not, you're never going to stop violence. I mean, it started with the first person on the earth, and, it, and it's still ongoing. We can cut it down. We can make it illegal as much as you want to. But as long as we have people, we're going to have differences of opinion, and they often turn violent. And so if you take the gun out of the equation, you say, well, it's, it's uh, ridiculous to stop the violence. But you put a gun in the equation, and people want to go after the gun instead of after the violence. Uh, it's a it's a conundrum that we that we we've had to deal with through the ages, and we still have that problem. The only way they're going to stop all gun violence is if you eliminate all guns, and that is is simply not going to happen. Not in this country, at least. Other countries have tried it; it doesn't work. Uh, Brian did a representative king, excuse me, of whom I have a very high opinion. He's an excellent legislator, and I value Brian's opinion on these things we are uh, what i what i say are good friends uh other states around here have this same law as hb 76 and have had really essentially no problems with it our permitting system does work 
it is still a val- very valued system. I myself have a permit. My wife has a permit. Uh, it does grant you things that non that open carry does not, such as with a permit you're allowed to carry a loaded gun ready to fire. You're allowed to go in through a school zone. You're allowed to walk within a thousand feet of a school. You're allowed to go into another state uh, and be covered by the permit. And so it is a valuable system, but it is not training. Perhaps we should mandate that training, but the Constitution says you can carry, you can have a weapon. It doesn't say you have to be trained to have a weapon. And so I'm just backing up to the Constitution here. So you you said uh, that's one of my concerns. I you know I, I'm not a gun owner, but uh, I can I could see that I I don't want a lot of training. I I don't want a you know week long police officer standard training, you know, with the silhouettes popping up and everything, uh, because my fear would be that I would use the gun improperly, and then I'd have to live with that. Along with having a weapon comes the responsibility uh, of use of it. I have been around guns my entire life. I have a number of them, uh, but with that comes responsibility. And doggone it, it's uh, it's something that we we cannot force upon people. We can't legislate uh, responsibility. And the, our wonderful cliche we have is, you know, you just can't legislate. You can't fix stupid. And so much of the accidents and the irresponsibility that comes with weapons is because of of stupid people. And uh, until we can fix that problem, I'm not sure if we'll fix the other problems. But you're saying because of the Second Amendment, we we can't or we shouldn't mandate training, increased training. Uh, I Yes, I, I guess that is what I'm saying. Mm. It, you should. Yes, you should. Uh, but I can go down and get a driver's license without taking driver's training if I'm old enough. I can do all kinds of other things uh, with a deadly car, for example, but can can I mandate that someone be trained, and if so, at what level and proficiency and such? Um, that's a tough one to. That's a t- very tough one to legislate. Representative King, I wonder if maybe you could address this. What would you like to see? Maybe increases. Of course, in Utah, it's a tough sell. But uh, what would you like to see in terms of maybe a few more restrictions on uh, gun use with a view to reducing gun violence? Well, um, you know, we have a culture here in Utah that um, is very rooted in uh, having guns available. And and that's okay by me. I don't have a problem with the idea of, you know, the fact that there we have a lot of gun owners in Utah, and we have a lot of uses for guns, whether they're recreational or other, target shooting, that kind of thing, out in, especially out in rural Utah. That doesn't trouble me. But I do think that there are some reasonable things that we can do, and we ought to do in Utah, to uh, ensure that guns don't end up in the wrong hands. I mean, we saw this one of the things that we see over and over again that's so tragic is that individuals who shouldn't get access to weapons do. And there'll always be an ability of individuals who shouldn't have access to weapons to getting them. But I think we can make some incremental, take some incremental steps to reduce the likelihood that that happens. And one of them is this background checks idea. I really don't understand, whether it's on a federal or state level, the strong opposition that exists on the part of uh, some folks within the uh, gun rights community to um, these background checks. I, I think it makes perfect sense to act in a reasonable way to ensure that anybody who purchases a gun in any uh, lawful location has a background check occur. Um, when we go through, we, we know from statistics that have um, been provided as part of the concealed weapon permitting process in Utah that each year several hundred people who apply for a concealed carry permit uh, are denied because they do have felonies in their background or they have a history of domestic violence or something like that. So the system does already weed out a number of folks, and the problem that I have is that there are loopholes within that system, the gun show loophole, for example, that I think should uh, be closed. Another thing, and, and you asked uh, Senator Christensen about it, and I also, um, he had some kind words for our work together up at the legislature. I think the world of Alan, he's a great guy, and um, and, and I think that he, you know, 
reflected our own ambivalence as lawmakers about the extent to which you mandate certain things. I have more sympathy for the idea, I think, that if you want to um, have a concealed weapon permit, you ought to have some uh, training in how to use a gun as opposed to just going in and taking a written test and being educated about various aspects of firearms. I've gone through the concealed um, carry process. It was very interesting. It took about half a day. Uh, one of the teachers was actually Representative Oda, who I served with in the House. And um, I learned a lot from that. But I was struck with the idea that nobody really taught me how to use a gun. I mean, I've, I, I'm not a gun owner myself, but I've uh, used uh, weapons on several occasions, whether hunting or target shooting in the past. And it's fun. I enjoy that. But there are a lot of folks who go through that process that I don't think have ever handled a gun before. And it was troubling to me to think that they could have a concealed weapon permit issued to them without ever having, literally, without ever having handled a gun at all. So I think we can do and ought to do a better job of mandating some training if you want the, the right and the privilege to carry a gun with you. Let's bring in our next caller, who is uh, Mel in Laverkin. Mel, thanks for calling. Go ahead for your question or comment. Morning. Good, good uh, morning to you. I'm having trouble hearing things a little bit. Can you crank oh, the gain up? Uh, yes. And you come back? Uh, yes. Uh, can you hear me better now? Yes, sir. Uh, go ahead. All right. Tom, if you recall, a few weeks I called, and I told you that guns don't kill people. People kill people. Um, fortunately or unfortunately for this argument, we had an idiot that uh, decided to raise a little bit of mayhem with a knife. Uh so that, that that tells you that guns don't kill people. Uh, fortunately, the uh, people that were uh, injured, they, there was no uh, deaths involved. Now, as far as the guns with the uh, chamber uh, uh, or, or a load in the chamber, it depends on the gun. Uh, in a revolver, you can have a load in the chamber, and it appears that it's ready to fire. But when you pull the hammer back, the uh, chamber rotates to what would be or could be an empty chamber, and that then you'd have to do that again. On the other hand, uh, uh, I recall my dad's gun, a high standard, and it had a, uh, uh, a magazine that went up through the handle. In order to load that, you would have to pull the slide back, and uh, that would put one in the chamber ready to roll. Now, as a last comment... Many years ago, when I was a young boy, I took a uh, hunter safety course and uh, was teaching us how to use guns. And the instructor put a loaded gun on the table and said, I don't want anybody to touch that gun. But if that gun should suddenly get up, aim itself at anybody in this classroom, let me know about it. it it, It made a point to us that, Guns don't kill people. People kill people. Thanks, Mel. Appreciate your call. All righty. Thank thank you. See you guys later. Thank you. Uh, Mel called 1-800-826-1495. You can as well. We encourage it. 1-800-826-1495. Guns, our topic for today. And we're asking, should House Bill 76, the veto by Governor Herbert, be overridden? How do we reduce gun violence? Uh, Should background checks be expanded? Anything else you'd like to say on guns? Right now, we're talking with uh, Senator Alan Christensen and Representative Brian King. Coming up in just a few minutes, Clark Aposian, Chairman of Utah Shooting Sports Council, and Marianne Martindale from Alliance for a Better Utah. Senator Christensen, any response to Mel's comments? Uh, He echoes my exact sentiments. Uh, just exactly what I I say, but I, I'm so tired of the cliche that that guns don't kill people, that people kill people, that I don't use it anymore. Uh-huh. But that is a fact, and just like I was saying a minute ago about gun violence, it's violence that we would like to stop, not necessarily the use of guns in it. Uh, a comment was made also earlier about uh, suicides with guns. That That is an unfortunate thing. The unfortunate part of it is the suicide part, not that they used a gun. Uh, a gun is very uh, impromptu. It is very uh, final. It isn't like taking pills or uh, carbon monoxiding yourself or some some other manner. It is a very final thing, and if, if you ask the people who are going to do it, it's, uh, 
probably the method of choice. If a gun weren't available, that same person's going to find another way to do it. Uh, I, I abhor the thought of of suicide. My religion does not even let allow me to consider such a thing. Or, but uh, some people are still going to find a way to terminate their lives. And unfortunately, a gun, uh, they can find one somewhere, somehow, if they really are after it. Just a couple of minutes left in this segment. Uh, and uh, Senator Christensen, uh, do you believe an override of the uh, governor's veto is, is likely? Uh, I didn't at first, but now I, I'm, I'm saying it, it probably has a 50-50 chance right now. You, you think the votes might be there? Yes. Um, and Representative King, we'll give you the last word in this uh, segment. Any final comments you'd like to, to give? Well, uh, I, I do want to address the comment from Senator Christensen about uh, suicide. I don't. Uh, the problem that I have with guns versus other methods of an individual ending their life is that a gun is extraordinarily lethal compared to other means of uh, doing away with yourself. I think that it's true that an individual who is intent on ending their life is going to find a way out a way to do it one way or the other. I'm more concerned about individuals, especially young folks, teenagers, or young adults who in a moment of despondency, do something rash with an instrument that is extraordinarily lethal, such as a gun, whereas if they had to go to greater lengths and measures to use a method that was less lethal, for example, pills or rope or knives or something that required more planning and thought and action over an extended period of time, at least a few minutes, if not uh, just a moment of impulse to pull a trigger, they wouldn't end up killing themselves. They wouldn't end up ending their lives. They'd end up getting help. Uh, or, you know, maybe they'd injure themselves but not end their lives. So the lethality of guns is the thing that makes me concerned. And I don't. I, one thing I don't agree with is the idea that the more guns we have in our society, the safer we're going to be. I think that's a fallacy. We'll continue this discussion in the next half of the program with Clark Opposian with Utah Shooting Sports Council and Marianne Martindale with Alliance for Better Utah. And uh, our thanks to Senator Alan Christensen, Republican from North Ogden. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom, and thank you, uh, Brian, for talking with us. And we've been talking with uh, Brian King, uh, Republican representative uh, from, uh, or a Democratic representative from Salt Lake City. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. And as I mentioned, we'll continue this discussion. The question's on the table. Should uh, Governor Herbert's uh, veto of House Bill 76, which, which loosen the restrictions on the use of concealed weapons, be overridden? Should we expand background checks? There appears to be a compromise taking uh, shape in the Senate on that issue. How do we reduce gun violence? That's a question on all of our minds. A lot of disagreement on it. We're all searching for an answer, and we're going to be talking more on this in the next uh, half of the program following a break. The number is 1-800-826-1495. You can reach us by email as well, upraxcess at gmail.com. Support for Access Utah comes from Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan. Open Monday through Saturday until 2 with a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries with local seasonal fruits, and lunch sandwiches. I'm Guy Raz. Next time on the TED Radio Hour. For the past few centuries, we have defined beauty not just as health and symmetry, but also as tall, slender figures and white skin. Beauty, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. That's next time on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. Support for Utah Public Radio is provided by the Child and Family Support Center in Logan. Celebrating the best part of being a kid April 27th in Wellsville with the Utah Family Run and Kids at Art Festival featuring races, entertainment, crafts, and face painting online at childandfamilysupportcenter.org. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. We're spending the hour talking about guns. How do we reduce gun violence? Of course, uh, we're all thinking about that in uh, response to uh, Sandy Hook and other uh, shootings that unfortunately have uh, become quite common uh, these days in America. Uh, there is uh, perhaps a compromise on background checks taking shape in the uh, U.S. Senate with Senators Manchin and uh, Toomey expanding background checks for uh, gun purchases uh, to gun shows and to uh, online purchases. 
will ask you, uh, should, uh, do you support that? 82% of uh, Utahns, by the way, support uh, expanding background checks. And House Bill 76, which would uh, uh, loosen restrictions on the use of concealed uh, weapons. Uh, Governor Herbert recently vetoed that. Senator Christensen says he believes they might have the votes to override that veto. That's a question we're throwing out to you as well. Should that be overridden? 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. We welcome in now uh, Marianne Martindale, Executive Director of Alliance for a Better Utah. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Tom. And uh, Clark Apotion, Chairman of Utah Shooting Sports Council. Thank you. Good morning. Thank good, you. good morning. Glad you're you're with us. Um, and uh, let me uh, just uh, canvas both of you. I, I know you, what your opinion is. Let me have you state that. Uh, Marianne Martindale, Alliance for Better Utah, I believe uh, you support the the veto of uh, House Bill seventy six. Absolutely. We um, we opposed that bill when it was uh, during the session, and we support the governor's veto of it, and we hope that it's not going to get an override. Uh, and why? Why? Why do you? Uh... Well, we think the current the current the current policy, the current concealed carry permit process, is sufficient. Just as the governor said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, it works. It's not a burdensome process. It's not expensive. It's not a hard thing to pass. It does pro- it does revi- or require an additional layer of background checks, uh, routine checks on uh, things that would uh, possible violations of that can cause a permit to be revoked or suspended. Every five years you have to re-up that. I mean, we just we think it's a good process. It's not a hard process to, to follow, and there's no reason why we need to change that. Clark Opposian, Governor Herbert, in his veto uh, letter, I believe he's he said something like um, his veto of 76 did not impose you know, additional burden on on the constitutional rights of, uh, of gun owners in uh, Utah. I think you... Um, would like to see an override of House Bill 76? The Utah Student Sports Council would like to see an override of veto uh, of the of the veto at HB 76. Indeed, um, we feel that it's a it's a tiny step um, and a step in the right direction for lawful self defense. Uh, it is it is just a tiny step. It allows someone to literally take the firearm that they can already in the exact same condition that they can already carry it on their hip and just put a jacket on if it gets cold. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that's it. And I think that's what Representative Mathis, sponsor of the bill, he talked about that when he when he sponsored this. He said it's kind of confusing what you can and can't do, and inadvertently people might be breaking the law. That, that's that's why he sponsored this. Yeah, that is uh, that was the actual genesis of uh, Representative Mathis's bill, which was it was interesting because that that approach uh, we tried constitutional carry or permitless carry or whatever you want to call. It. Uh, a couple times before, but that approach has never been used, um, and uh, nor has Representative Mathis ever sponsored a bill like that. So uh, that's exactly where it came from, just out of necessity or out of uh, ease of use. It wasn't out of a political or a Second Amendment-type genesis. We will be asking our guests as we go along as well about uh, background checks and other aspects of this. We want to bring in our next caller, who is Bettina in Springdale. Bettina, glad you called. Go ahead with your question Hi, or comment. I just have a question to clarify. Uh, so uh, the earlier caller talked about the cliche that guns don't people kill people, people kill people. So on that table, so you put a can of beer or alcohol, you put heroin or marijuana, and then you have a gun on that table. So my question is, why are those substances controlled, but guns aren't? This is, let me uh, shoot this first. Well, I don't, that's uh, no pun intended here. <laughs> but, yeah. um, uh, let me uh, direct this uh, to Clark Posian first. This, by the way, if, uh, if you weren't uh, familiar with uh, where this is coming from, Melon Leverkin said he had a teacher who, uh, who put a, a loaded gun on the table and uh, to illustrate that... Uh, People kill people, not not guns killing people. Uh, your right. response, Mr. Potion. Yeah, it. It's quite a table you have set there, by the way. But anyway, um, you know, we could get into that there's no constitutional right to have a bottle of beer or, uh, you know, uh, some marijuana. Uh, but you do have a constitutional right to have a firearm. But the problem is, is that alcohol, you know, you have to look at it literally from a cost versus benefit standpoint. Alcohol and uh, marijuana have not been used to save lives and are not used on a you know an eight to ten to one ratio to save lives 
versus the lives they take. So, you know, I'm going to go with that. Mm. Uh, whereas firearms save many, many more lives every day um, than, uh, than, than take lives illegally. Marianne Martindale, Alliance for Better Utah. What, what's your response to that? The, the, I actually think it's a good question. I mean, I, there's there's a whole list of things: credit cards, cell phones, hunting, fishing licenses, car licenses. I mean, and I know you know I know what Clark is going to say: it, those aren't constitutional rights, but those are still things that have reasonable regulations placed onto them. And that's all that we're asking. I mean, no one is saying let's ban every gun out there and let's let's take go into everyone's home and take everyone's guns. I think that the extreme response to this kind of logical uh, question um, is troubling because that's what that's what causes a divide in this whole discussion. You know, the truth is, yes, it's a constitutional right, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't that it that it doesn't allow for any type of regulation. That's been clarified by the Supreme Court. So to say that just because it says in the in the Constitution that you have the right to carry arms doesn't mean that you have the right to carry them anyway, anyhow, any any time without any type of regulation. And I think if people if, if, you know, the majority of the citizens of this, the United States and of Utah want things like universal background check and support things like these concealed carry permits, I, the, that regulation does not go counter to the Second Amendment. Before I give Mr. Posian a chance to respond there, I'm, I'm sure he does. Uh, Bettina, thank you for the call. You pointed okay, us in a good I direction. Can I say that isn't it a constitutional right to pursue happiness and isn't, aren't some of those things connected to that? Interesting. Uh, thanks, Bettina. We'll, we'll get Mr. Potion's uh, response. Mr. Potion. I'm sure you could make a connection to happiness and marijuana or alcohol all you want, and you go ahead and do that. That's fine with me. Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to necessarily support that uh, that linkage, but uh, you go right ahead. Anyway, at any type, you know, it's not that we don't support any type of regulation, Marianne. My gosh, firearms and the use of firearms uh, are heavily, heavily regulated. It's just that, you know, regulation for reg- for the sake of more regulation, that's not going to do anything is, it, it, I think it's counterproductive, literally. Uh, you know, to after Sandy Hook and after some of these other uh, rather unusual and exceptional type of situations, um, the legislators, both state and federal, have been under a lot of pressure to, one, identify the problem, and then to solve the problem. Well, you know, it's an easy out to say that guns are the guns and gun ownership are the problem and that restricting them is to solve the problem. But I I disagree flat out. First, we've got a ton of regulation that, um, you know, somebody say if it was appropriately applied may work on solving the problem, Uh, you know, know, appropriate enforcement of – of, um, you know, illegal purchases and that type of thing. But are, are the firearms the actual problem? What is the actual problem? I think that's what we need to, uh, to identify. Crime, um, you know, so we could talk about suicides, but guns, gun-related type crime involves everything from regular street crime to, uh, to premeditated murder to suicide to uh, multiple victim shootings. All of those have different... Um, a different uh, genesis to the problem and different solutions. I think this one solution fits all just never is never going to work. And I'm, I'm sure uh, uh, Marion Martindale has uh, some uh, points in response. I want to fit our next caller in, and then I'll I'll uh, have you address those specific points, uh, Marion Martindale. Our next caller is uh, Betty in Washington County. Thank you for calling, Betty. Go ahead with your question or comment. Well, good morning. Uh, things terrible, terrible problem. Always will be. Uh, I just don't like the quote gun culture um, that it seems to be so pervasive. And I looked at some statistics the other day about de- gun deaths in the United States, and it said approximately, and these are approximate, thirty thousand people die from gun. Uh, related violence, and that a huge percentage of that is suicide. And I think that I tried to decide which side of the argument that either helps or hinders. In other words, do the gun rights people, are they able to say, see, there's not really that many violent deaths 
it's mainly people killing themselves? Or do the gun um, people who want restrictions on guns, are they able to say, look at how many people might not be dead if they didn't have easy access to a gun? And I know that because I have had a relative and a good friend commit suicide, I do know that people who are totally committed to killing themselves will find a way. But I also know that the gun makes it so much easier, so much quicker, and um, so much less chance of being, um, uh, or more chance of being successful, I guess is the way I want to put it. I think there's too many guns out there, and I think a lot of people have them just because they want them. It has nothing to do with defense. Uh, and um, those guns that are out there are available to be stolen. And that's one of the things that really bothers me, is that we don't talk about security with the guns that people have. And, yes, a guy can get it on the street or, or you know, illegally through um, maybe the Internet or whatever, and that the background check might help with. But what about the ones that are stolen? There's a lot of them. So anyway, just some points to throw out, and uh, I do appreciate you having this uh, topic on your show. Thank you, Betty. Appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Sorry sorry for your loss. Let me start with Marianne Martindale on some of the points that uh, Betty was making. Well, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of the things that she said. You know, um, the, the the illusion that it that it makes us such a safer society, there has there has not been one of these mass shootings that has been stopped. Or, or halted by a civilian carrying a gun. More guns don't increase our safety. They just seem to multiply the chaos that we, that we live in. Um, but, you know, she brings up some other points. Um, Clark, have they found your gun yet? You know, stolen guns are a problem. Mr. Pogent. Is that supposed to, is, Marianne, was that supposed to be a funny or just a jab at me? No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. You know, we haven't heard any follow-up. Marianne, I, I, you know, Marianne, I honestly you think that you and, and the rest of Utah recently. would know if they had found the firearm yet. So what was your point again? Well, that's, I just I wanted, wanted an update on that because, I mean, you know, she, she actually brought that oh, up well, as a me, concern that she update. has as no, a citizen. And so, and so, yeah, since you broached the subject and asked the question, that firearm, you know, uh, you know, despite what you read in the news, was in a secure truck vault, okay, not in the back seat. It was the same way law enforcement carries theirs in their SUVs and that, and do, yes, keep them overnight in their vehicle. And I expected a measure of, uh, of security, certainly enhanced measure of security. It took them 10 to 12 minutes to get into that thing. I imagine that uh, wherever you keep yours in your home, Marianne, um, that it would take probably a shorter period than that to break into a front door than it was to break into a secure truck vault that was in my vehicle. But go ahead. I know. I, I just. I was just curious on an update if, if they had recovered the stolen weapon that that, that had been stolen from you yet. But you know, to, to Betty's point, I do think that I, I think that it's it's an illusion that that more guns out there. And this is you know, Clark and I we we clearly disagree on this. But I think the it's an illusion that that the more people more people we arm out there, the safer that we are. That that just hasn't been proven. People we arm, it's the more good. I mean, my gosh, to think that if we arm more criminals. Um, no, no one is saying that if we arm more criminals or anything like that, that there's going to be more uh, or less crime. But um, you know, I mean, it's it, you can't just look at it in such a in such a broad spectrum. The more guns, that type of thing. However, the the obvious numbers do show that places that do have less restrictions on firearms have historically less crime. I mean, that's just the way it is. I look at Chicago with its extreme restrictions, um, and where law-abiding folks don't have guns. But the criminals, there's lots of guns, and so there's lots of crime. I'm sorry. That, I mean, it, you can't look at it in a simplistic way that, you know, that, that more guns don't equal, you know, more guns equal more crime. We have a – uh, When we, they have them. Well, so same thing me. with background checks. My gosh. Um, you know, background checks are – you know, if, if all the law-abiding people that are going to submit themselves to background checks um, have enhanced background checks or more background checks, does anybody honestly think that's going to stop any any additional crime when the law-abiding folks will submit themselves to background checks? Like, I mean, how naive is that to think that? 
when the criminals will continue to obtain firearms without background checks. We we have naive. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, uh, let me just uh, reintroduce our our uh, panel. Uh, we're having a discussion on guns between uh, Marianne Martindale, Executive Director of Alliance for Better Utah, and Clark Aposian, Chairman of Utah Shooting Sports Council. You're welcome to call the program. We are running out of time, so get your call in uh, quickly at 1-800-826-1495, or you can email us at upraxis at gmail.com. I do want to fit this email in. Uh, I'll direct this first to Marianne Martindale. Uh, this is Tiffany. Uh, emailing us. History has proven that people aren't always responsible gun owners. My husband and I are responsible gun owners, and I sleep better having a pistol in a safe next to my bed. However, I truly do not understand why making it more difficult for people, including criminals, to purchase guns is such an issue. Not everyone is responsible. Not everyone has the best intentions. It's true that people kill people, but why can't we make access to these tools more difficult? Marianne Martindale. Yeah, that, that's exactly my concern, and that's what I was, was going to kind of say back to Clark um, after his last comment. Is, is you, you know, I, th- I think it's, I think it's naive to simply say this is all about whether it's criminals versus people who are not criminals, because I think people are also uh, negligent. I think that people have certain things arise in their lives. We talk about the increase in suicides and the tragedy at that. Obviously, clearly, if someone wants to commit suicide, they probably can find a way. But the way, if they have a gun in their hand, that way is immediate and it's absolute as opposed to other ways that may not be so final, so lethal. Um, you know, I, I am a gun owner, as Clark, Clark said, and, and I don't I, – I, I welcome, uh, you know, detailed background checks. If I decide to pursue getting a concealed carry permit, I welcome the background checks and the training that comes with that. I think as a responsible gun owner, you should want to have those kinds of things. And no, background checks won't solve everything. There's not one single answer to this issue. It's a multitude of, of uh of, of things that we need to deal with. You know, we do have mental health issues. We do have uh, issues with suicide. Um, but, but you know, she's, she's right. When it comes to, to a, a, a law-abiding citizen who wants to own a gun, I don't understand the, the concern or, or the refusal to go through regular, just what I view as, as completely reasonable background checks and, and safety regulations to, to own that weapon. We do have another caller. I want to go to uh, her next, and then we'll, of course, get response from uh, Mr. Posian on some of those points. Uh, Catherine in St. George is our next caller. Glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Oh, hello. I was just calling regarding the comment that the man made. I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. Uh, Clark Posian. There is, there is proof that gun control works because in Canada, in the U.K., in Japan, there they are no guns, and they have very low rates of death. Okay, Mr. Opposing, your response. Not crime. So that's that's one of the interesting little stats that they like to use is that, uh, oh, there's very low rates of gun crime in uh, in the U.K. Well, you know what? I don't care if uh, if my neighbor gets shot in the head or beat over the head with a baseball bat. They're still dead. And, you know, it doesn't matter to me how a person dies, it's that they die. And if you want to just uh, categorize gun crime, yeah, they have, very, they have low rates of gun crime. However, since you brought up Japan, interesting with suicide, um, a five times higher rate of suicide in Japan than in the United States, and they're doing it without guns. So does it not matter that they, that they uh, kill themselves with something else? at five times higher the rate um, than uh, just because they're not using a gun, it's okay. So, I mean, here we have a, a, you know, a country that, yeah, that bans handguns, certainly, yet uh, the Japanese are killing themselves at a much higher rate. Marianne Martindale, I wonder if you have a response to uh, what uh, Catherine is saying. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, when Clark was mentioning, you know, it doesn't matter how someone is, is uh, assaulted or or injured or whatever. I, cl- clearly, if someone is shooting someone with a weapon, the, the, the likelihood of death is far is going to be far greater increase than than with a club or a bat or a knife or any of those things. Yes, those have the potential to cause deadly harm, but a, a gun is a lethal weapon. I mean, let's be clear, it's a lethal weapon. On that same day of Sandy Hook, what was the was it in China where a man stabbed? It was almost exactly the same number of children. Every single one of those children lived. 
And I'm not saying that, that background checks are going to resolve the Sandy Hook issue or any of these specific things. These are, these are sort of aberrations to, to a much deeper societal problem. But to say that a gun is an equal weapon to any other thing out there, it's just, that's just not true. Uh, let's go to our next caller. Uh, Catherine, thank I, you for I calling. Appreciate that. Equal thank you. Oh, yeah. uh, I said that the emphasis being placed on the firearm versus other things that kill is disproportionate. All right. Uh, let's go to Mary Beth in uh, North Logan. Mary Beth, glad you called. Go ahead with your question. Hi. I'd, I'd like to uh, point out a couple of things here. I guess the whole issue of rights comes with a lot of responsibility, and not just responsibility to take the course, not just the responsibility to get your uh, permit or whatever. It's like what is the the responsibility to the whole of society, and especially our children? Uh, years ago, a story was related to me about a specific tribe in Africa where if uh, they greeted each other with, how are the children? And if the children were fine, the tribe is fine. Well, let's just talk about how fine are our children. We don't focus on them, uh, which is evidenced by the child abuse and neglect rights, the food insecurity, the poverty, the mental health, the health care issues. So, uh, let's just strip away party loyalty. Let's just calm down, pretend we're neutral, and that we we have a need, uh, and and not a need for when we're going to be elected. Let's just do what's right for the children. Th- thanks, Mary Beth. Uh-huh. We're, we're running out of time, so I'm going to have to interrupt you there. And uh, let's start with uh, Marianne Martindale, just uh, maybe 30 seconds, uh, and then Mr. Posian, 30 seconds. We, we are running out of time. So, Mr. Ms. Martindale. Sure. Just, just you know, 82% of Utahns support background checks. Over 90% of nationwide support background checks, including members of the NRA. Um, you know, we just we think that this is this, this is a logical step. We think HB 76 is is an unnecessary bill. It's a problem. Look, it's it's a bill looking for a problem that doesn't exist. There's no ranchers out there being charged for throwing their slicker over their their sidearm. It's just not happening. Um, you know, we're we're really we're very supportive of, of uh, the veto of HB 76, and we hope it's going to stand. We're confident that it's going to stand. And Clark Posen, give you the final word. We're running out of time, so about 30 seconds. Okay. Um, you know, uh, we're going to be looking at. I have no problem with having a background check done on myself because I know I'm law-abiding, and I and I expect that other law-abiding people will do that. It's the criminals that aren't going to get the. I don't care if you call it a universal background check or whatever. It's not going to happen. Let's start. The, the the this administration is following on the heels of a 20-year low in federal gun prosecution. So by all means, let's have some more laws that they aren't going to prosecute as well just for the sake of making laws. Uh, I, I think it's fallacy to put this in the hands of legislators who uh, don't understand and are doing things for a political purpose. We've been talking with Clark Capozian, chairman of Utah Shooting Sports Council, and Marianne Martindale, executive director of Alliance for Better Utah. We appreciate them uh, being on with us. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tom. And uh, we you, invite Tom. you to join us tomorrow. We are going to uh, talk about immigration. We'll be on with... Uh, Uh, Members of a group called uh, Bibles, Badges, and Business uh, for Immigration Reform. We'll also uh, talk with a a legal immigrant. She came in the front door, and uh, she has some concerns with loosening restrictions on illegal immigration. All of that tomorrow. And uh, for producers Addison Pace and Danny Hayes, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks for listening.